Good morning. You're tuned into The Image Show. My name is Robert Pate, and I am the president and founder of The Image Program. I want to thank you guys, first of all, uh, for all the support in the community. I want to thank the news stations in Iowa, uh, News Channel 8, Marcus McIntosh, News Channel 13. You guys have been... uh, very, very considerate and very helpful, and uh, you've made the image program special. Now, moving into this uh, today's edition, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the image program. We're going to talk about me. Uh, I don't know if you guys out there know the mad producer. Sweezy. <laughs> Sweezy, but he's the mad producer, and uh, he's going to interview me, and he's got some questions. We're going to look at some changes. We're going to try to make this a little more exciting. Uh, We'll try and have some popular guests on the show. I spoke with Fred Hoiberg, and I'm waiting on him to get back to us for confirmation, trying to get him on the show moving into the new year. We've just got some great things to look forward to. So, uh, Sweezy, do you want to kick it off and kind of turn the tables? I do. Thanks for having me behind the mic this time. Oh, no problem, man. Hey, I've got... I've heard you got your own show. I do now. It's 5 to 11 every day, Monday through Saturday, right here. <laughs> I, you know, I caught some of that, and you did. You do a good job. Yeah, thank you. It's It's been a lot of fun. I've been doing it for about two weeks now, and it's what I've wanted to do for a while, so I am now, very... Now let, let me ask you something, Sweezy. Just uh, for the record, being the producer on my show, did that kind of uh push you insinuate you a little more in, in having your own show i mean did that inspire you at least it did a little bit you know i've been down the dial on a 95 kggo for a little over a year and been talking to some corporate guys about some different things some bigger picture stuff and job need to be filled so here i am <laughs> that's good you sound great man on the air and i'm glad to have you interviewing me today i think that it's it's definitely needed Yeah, thank you. So let me uh, get started with the interview. I just wanted to ask you about what's going on, what you're you're doing with your life right now, what's going on in the community that you're doing. Oh, man, we're having a lot of success in the community. First of all, through the Evelyn K. Davis Center, uh, you know, with all the programming going on, I had an interview with uh, News Channel 8 uh, this past Friday. Yeah, I heard that. Congratulations on that, by the way. Actually, it was Wednesday. And that went great. Uh, you know, I was looking for Rhea Spigner, of course, but she didn't show up. So uh, Miss Clark did a great job. Yeah, she did. And so did you. Thank you. Besides all your success, I want to talk about your life coming out of prison and your case. So tell me a little bit about what happened, because I know it was a really convoluted story. Wow. Do you really want to go there? I, I, I think we got to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you, man, in, in a very professional way, just to kind of lay it out there raw and uncut, I had a burden, you know, while I was in prison for a while with mm-hmm. the way this whole case went down, um, you know. I was in the wrong, you know, at the same time, uh, this officer, Chad Nicolino, was in the wrong. And two wrongs don't make a right. And I had to actually leave it in God's hands. But, you know, I carried a burden, I would say, for probably about five years while I was incarcerated. And it all started back in 2007 when I was arrested and I was charged with possession with intent to deliver crack cocaine. I was immediately taken into county jail. My charges were later dismissed uh, to the feds because the feds were going to pick it up. Well, I received a notice of intent not to prosecute from the state. and uh, So that means the feds are going to pick it up when you get that, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, and it was wrote on the dismissal form. So as I'm in state custody, 
uh, because I was currently on parole, I was fighting my federal case. And uh, I knew that there was a lot of bogusness going on in this case. First of all, uh, Officer Nicolino uh, fabricated uh, informant, and it ended up coming out in federal court uh, when he was forced to bring the confidential informant forward after a motion to compel that we filed. And he wasn't there. He didn't exist, right? Right. And the judge gave the uh, officer or gave the uh, United States of America basically a certain amount of time to come up with the confidential informant or to turn over some, uh, they called it, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was information uh, to go forth with an in-camera interview. And so anyway, <clears throat> the uh, federal, uh, there was no confidential informant, so they were forced to dismiss the case. They dismissed the case without prejudice. Now, I'm still in state custody. I get ran up for uh, parole, and uh, before I get actually released, I receive a detainer from the state saying that the charges were reinstated uh, by this officer, Chad Nicolino. So, now, there's no, like, double jeopardy thing? They're going to charge you for the same crime twice? We, there were speedy trial rights violated. Um, it was called race judicata. It's it's kind of like double jeopardy. Mm. But uh, we appealed it all the way through the Supreme Court. And, you know, there was just, uh, I mean, everything got shot down. And so, at any rate, we, uh, the thing that was really frustrating was that, you know, I felt that, he got actually got caught lying in federal court. So I thought that, you know, that would supersede state. Well, once I got back to the state level after the charges were refiled, I mean, I couldn't believe how things were getting shot down. When I was in that courtroom, it was like I killed somebody, you know. And so when I went to prison, uh, you know, I, of course I lost my trial in state court. And I seen it coming. But, I mean, there was just... I didn't want to plead guilty, and you know, I, I felt like I was wrong for uh, I was actually in the wrong. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, this officer was in the wrong. Uh, we were both guilty, so uh, you know, let's split the difference. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> you know, we find something in the middle that yeah, yeah. works for both of us, yeah. but. And instead, they're not interested in that. No, instead, everything just continued to get denied. So, you know, I was hard headed and, you know, I continued to keep fighting them. And, you know, I lost my trial. I did do you think th- if you weren't so hard headed, you might have got that middle ground that you were looking for? Yeah, yeah I do. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. And it's it's kind of awkward because I was really studying. I mean, I was in to my Bible. I was, you know, uh, preaching Bible studies. I was, you know, doing a lot of mentoring on the pod and I was really focused, but for some reason I just didn't want to, you know, plead guilty and kind of give in because I felt like, you know, you were caught, you know, the state was actually caught, you know, lying. I mean, this officer was, was caught dead to the left. And that's perjury, isn't it? Well, it's a lot of things, but you know, it, it ended up into me going back to prison and so I felt that uh, rather than walk around the yard and keep feeling sorry for myself, I have to make this time count for something. 
Sure. And that's when I just got deeper in my faith. That's when I started the Image Program. Now, looking at the time here, it looks like we've got to go to a quick commercial break, Sweezy. Uh, we've been talking into this, and we've gotten past our time. Uh, let's go to a quick commercial. We'll come back and get into this discussion. Sounds good to me. We'll be right back. And we're back on the Image Show. My name is Robert Pate. You're in the house with me and Sweezy. Hey, hey. Here on the air, uh, we are into some deep discussion. And uh, we're talking about uh, my time of incarceration, how I turned a negative into a positive. And right now we're kind of getting into the root of things, uh, deep into the meat of things. So Sweezy is interviewing me, and uh, I am basically uh, answering the questions as it relates to my incarceration. So, Sweezy, I'll let you take it back over. Yeah, so I'll just bring everyone up to speed in case you missed. We talked about all the stuff, the all the different trials you went to, talked about the unfair uh, prosecution and all that, and we're in your we're inside your eleven year consecutive sentence. So, and that's the time when you started the image program, right? Yeah, well, as I was getting right before I got released, and you know, I promised all the guys. So walking around the yard, you know, there's a lot of lifers. Uh, there's a lot of guys doing a lot of time. Some guys were young, and it was kind of heartbreaking, man, to just walk around there and wake up in that environment every day. So, you know, I decided to take the time that I was uh, doing and, you know, get the monkey off my back, and uh, I, I end up forgiving everyone, uh, the people who testified against me before uh, in court? Uh, I ended up forgiving uh, the judges. I ended up forgiving this this uh, officer Nicolino because, you know, basically God was showing me that I had to look in the mirror at myself. And the fact was that I was guilty, you know, of selling drugs. And I knew that, you know, no matter what, I had no business doing that after God had blessed me. So, you know, I had to deal with the consequence. Now, obviously, uh, this consequence, and if anyone out here is listening and you know the power of God, you know that God will take what the devil meant for evil and turn it into good. And this is exactly what happened to me. So as I'm forgiven, uh, everybody, uh, my heart started to change. My life started to change. Uh, my vision started to change. And that's when I started the image program. And when I started this, uh, the passion was basically, you know, for helping people. Uh, there were people in prison that couldn't read. There were people that, you know, were getting bullied. Uh, there were people that wanted to go to Bible study. There were people that wanted to, just a friend to, to be able to talk to somebody that they could trust. And this, these are all services that you provided personally to all the inmates? Yeah, I mean, it was just a part of my character. Uh, the services, it wasn't so much a service because even when we had the image program uh, in prison, it was in the chapel, and it was a class that we had once a week. Okay. And we had a lot of pro-social activities going on. Uh, we did bingo. You know, we brought in outside guests. And a lot of this is, you know, it kind of just stirred the pot into just a whole positive movement. And guys wanted to be a part of it in prison. Uh, they knew my background. Uh, they knew uh, my affiliation. And they knew that I was, you know, all about uh, positive change and all about spirituality and trying to, you know, basically uh, forgive and, you know, just kind of move forward in the Bible. So, you know, this kind of just started to spread. And eventually guys started to, you know, just kind of fall right in line with what I was doing. That's good. 
So, you know, we had a, a group of people, guys were uh, handing out prizes for bingo, calling out numbers, uh, stacking up chairs, you know, and the group just continued to grow. And we talked uh, a lot about what we were going to do when we got out. We talked about the support. We talked about how to maintain support, how to get support uh, for people that uh, maybe were in need of jobs. Uh, We went, we showed them through the image program how to fill out resumes, how to uh, fill out applications, how to prepare for the parole uh, board interview. And that's another thing that was actually real effective in prison was when we were helping other inmates prepare for uh, their parole interview. And this this is stuff that the staff wasn't teaching, you know. So as we continued to, to move throughout this image program start, you know, we were f- just kind of figuring out what to do, attracting things to do, things that made sense, things that, that were useful. And so uh, one thing just led to another, man, and, and – uh, the lifers that were there, uh, we got close. They really liked me, and they were real helpful. A lot of these guys were ex-military uh, men. They were veterans and um, had a lot of integrity, believe it or not. You'd be surprised at the respect level inside prison versus in society. So tell me some of the secrets that you use in prison to get this program started, because I know it was probably very difficult to get this started. Yeah, we had uh, actually. I'll give you a secret. It was when we started doing the mock trials, interviews uh, in prison. Uh, we did uh, basically parole board interviews where all the inmates got together uh, during the uh, image meeting, and we were in the chapel and we were allowed an hour, and we utilized our time. We set up uh, chairs, uh, a table with three parole board members where inmates uh, basically imitated uh, the parole board, uh, guys who knew how to, you know, uh, give the same kind of questions, the same kind of feedback, and we would drill them. You know, we would have them up there and we would say, uh, so why should we let you out of prison, uh, Mr. Such and Such? And uh, the inmate would say, you know, well, uh, I feel that, uh, you know, I've completed enough time. And then we would stop, cut, go back. Uh, you can't say that. You know, you need to uh, let them know, first of all, that uh, you accept your responsibility for what you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to show them that, you know, the reason why you're not going to do this again. I mean, you know, we were actually educating a lot of these inmates on determining if they were actually ready to get out. And there were some that just weren't ready. And and then there were some that just didn't know how to interview. So uh, we were able to kind of dissect it and, you know, sever out the people that were ready versus the ones that just didn't know how to interview. And this was so effective, believe it or not, that the warden actually uh, came in and sat down on one of these uh, mock trial interviews that we were having. And he thought it was great. You know, there were a lot of guys that thought maybe we were going to get in trouble for, you know, uh, imposing parole board members. And and he thought that it was great. And, uh, you know, the guys that we actually interviewed to prepare to get ready to see the parole board, I think almost 99, maybe 80, 99 percent of the people 
uh, were victorious in their parole hearings. Uh, they were either granted parole or work release. So, uh, you know, one of my secrets that you ask is looking at what's effective and what works. See, most of these government officials and politicians and, uh, you know, these people that are in power, they don't really understand what it's like to be incarcerated because they never went through it. Mm-hmm. You know, so in order to to really be effective, I think you have to be able to go through, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to make happen or, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do. There there should be some experience to it before you can be in power to be able to fix it. I mean, that's what I think. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think that a person who, first of all, you don't need to go to prison and not everyone who is in power of something needs to actually experience uh, what it is that they're trying to fix. However, it does help. What I'm saying is, is if you've actually, ex- what is the, the, the best teacher that you can have other than experience? Best teacher is someone that's been down there. Exactly. So if I'm telling you how to uh, fix this radio station and I've never fixed it before, I mean, Basically, you know, doesn't mean anything to me. No. So if I've experienced it and I know how to do it, you know, then I can teach you. And mm-hmm. I think that's what the image program has to offer is the fact that, you know, when it comes to uh, recidivism, when it comes to prison, uh, when it comes to uh, reentering into society and all this that deals with reentry, who better than someone that has actually been through it? and can articulate the words to do something about it. I mean, look at this whole world out here. Half of these people have been incarcerated or on probation or they've been in some type of incarceration or uh, situation that relates to it. And they're, they're all really scared to step up and talk about the problems. I mean, you know, the problem is... Not so much that people are breaking the law, but is why they're breaking the law. I mean, these people have reasons for doing what they're doing. I had a reason for doing what I was doing when I was selling drugs. I knew that eventually there was going to be a consequence, and I knew what I was doing was wrong. Now, I didn't have anyone to really, you know, snatch me up and say, look, man, uh, you're getting ready to go to prison for a long time. Uh, This is getting ready to happen to you because— do you realize the uh, time that's in, involved with this? Uh, do you know how many years you're going to get for this? You know, if I would have knew that, I probably wouldn't have did it. I mean, maybe I would have, maybe I wouldn't have, but I didn't get that opportunity. And the image program wants to give that opportunity away. And that's what we're about, and that's what we're doing. You're obviously not in prison anymore, otherwise this interview would sound like this. But uh, <laughs> how, do, how does the image program continue in prison without you there? Well, uh, we have a president there. Uh, we have the deputy warden who is in charge, Adam Yetmar. And then we have Joe Bush, who's the activities director. And uh, they kind of oversee the, the program as, as guys come and go. Then they elect certain presidents and board members to just keep it going. Uh, it's still recognized by the Iowa Board of Parole. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we planted the seed and God just continued to water it. So, so we talked a little bit about the image program inside the prison walls. Now, how does it work outside of prison? 
So outside of prison, what we got is uh, we've got a group of people. Uh, we have a meeting once a month, and uh, we are moving into a new program uh, for the start of the year. Uh, we have to meet with Dr. DeGere about this, the director of the Evelyn K. Davis Center, uh, to find out the exact time and day. But we're looking to get ready to start uh, this program, and it's called Rap Session. And this will be where uh, ex-offenders, uh, you can be uh, citizens that maybe just, just have been affected uh, through the judicial system, and uh, you want to come in, we'll have a, a lunch. It'll be kind of like a brunch. It'll be from 12 to 2 every first Saturday of the month, I believe. Don't quote me on that. You know, we'll work out the details, but it'll consist of uh, people from the Des Moines community uh, being able to just come in and get a lot of things off their chest, uh, things that, that they're going through every day, the challenges uh, that they're going through that nobody's really paying attention to. You know, we want to hear about the problems that people are having every day that are not being addressed. Because then if you hear the problems, you can work on solving them, actually. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And we can put it in, in front of the right people who have the power to make it happen. And you've got a great place to do that where you work full-time at the Evelyn K. Davis Center. That is correct. Uh, we have a, a great director there, uh, and we have just a great overall staff. There's a lot of love, and you know, I'm just happy to be a part of the Evelyn K. Davis for Working Families family. That's awesome. We're looking at the time. we got another break coming up. We'll be right back on The Image Show. It's Sweezy and Robert Pate. And we're back on The Image Show. This is Robert Pate with your boy Sweezy. Hey. And we're into some deep conversation right now. Uh, we're talking about uh, time in prison, uh, actually going through the, the heat of the thing and the battlefield and then coming out with the victory. Yeah, so the victory was the image program, obviously. Now, you created this when you were locked up in prison. Was there a single yes. moment that you're like, okay, I need a program to help inmates? Well, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of moments like that. Uh, you know, living that life was, it, it was like, if you could imagine going 50 feet underground right now and waking up, you know, in hell. Now, obviously, you can't just give up, you know. You have to go through it. You don't have a choice unless you commit suicide, which definitely wasn't in the question. So Yeah, that's not a good choice. No, there. no. And so it, it becomes a part of reality. And then you have to look at this reality and you have to deal with it. And the only way that I could truly deal with this was with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, it's it's because it's not because I went to pri prison and found religion, because that's not true at all. I got saved at 16 years old. Sure. You know, I was just at a time of my life where I was backsliding, and I decided to go back to selling drugs, and it was—I knew a consequence was coming, so, uh, you know, I had to deal with it. And so, you know, my, high, my higher power is Jesus Christ, you know. I can't speak for everyone else, and— I the people that I mentored, some of them were Muslim, you know, some of them were uh, Buddhist. I mean, so we didn't necessarily always stay on religion. You know, uh, I had to be versatile. And that's why I learned how to be versatile with in dealing with people, you know, who weren't or didn't believe in God. And so uh, in doing that, I found out that, you know, people have they do things for different reasons and 
they have different problems. There, there were a lot of mental, uh, mentally ill people in prison. And there's a lot of mentally ill people here in society. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's weird because if they were in prison, they'd be taking medication for that. You know, out here in society, it just kind of goes undetected or, you know, there's no no one gets diagnosed with anything. So they just continue to keep living their life. But uh, getting back to in there, it was, uh, you know, as I said, like waking up every morning to hell. And, you know, sometimes I'd blink my eyes and think, man, is this real? You know, Christmas Day, you wake up, you're looking at, you know, hard legs all day long. You know, people are being rude and, you know, just real belligerent, disrespectful at times. You know, they had times where they got immature. But then, you know, for the most part, you know, the respect level was to stay in your own space. And with all the diversity, you know, with whites, blacks, you know, Mexicans, Asians, I mean, you know, the gang stuff was really one of the biggest problems that I seen in there. Sure. Was that one of your biggest challenges, getting the image program off the ground? No, I don't think. Well, yeah, yes and no. Uh, First of all, you had to I had to discover self-identity. Sure. Before I could start the image program and before anyone, I think, starts a, a program or a nonprofit or whatever it is that you're starting, you know, you have to be passionate about it. And so before I could even think about starting a program, I had to develop the character of a man with integrity. And part of that was waking up every day, looking at myself in the mirror and uh, looking at myself through the Bible, through the scriptures and comparing it with my self-identity and who I was, you know, who I was in my versus the man that I was in a worldly perspective versus the man that I am in a spiritual perspective. And the spiritual perspective supersedes every time. You just have to walk in it. Did you uh, have any backlash or any resistance from the people that worked in the prison, like the parole board and the warden for starting this? No. Not, they're, they're immediately they're, like, yes, let's do this. Oh, you mean backlash as far as, you know. Like pro- resistance. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, first of all, starting the image program, it got shot down twice. Uh, the warden, Cornell Smith, was in favor of it, and so he ended up overruling and letting me have it. Uh, There were people that I really uh, made uh, very upset because they felt like this program wasn't needed in uh, North Iowa uh, Central Correctional Facility. And a lot of it just came from uh, not wanting to see another inmate start a powerful program that could be effective. Right. Uh, I I think that they knew uh, the power that was behind, you know, this program. And there were, you know, there were racist people in that field uh, that didn't want to see it uh, continue for a lot of racist reasons, I believe. I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. So so you got it in North Iowa Correctional. Are you in other prisons or what? How do you expand from that for now? Yeah, right now we're in Rockwell. Okay. And uh, hopefully we're talking about expanding. Uh, I'm looking to uh, meet with some people about uh, the image program expanding throughout Iowa. 
And so uh, it's all a work in progress, but we're making some big strides. Now, I can't let all my secrets out over the air, of course, (laughs) but uh, we've got some big things in the makings. What are the biggest challenges that the image program faces in society? So the part that's not in prison, what do you need? How are you going to get it? Where do you go from here? Finance. Okay. Uh, Right now, and this is why I I give all my kids a lot of respect and I – you know, I'm very thankful that I have kids that sympathize with me because right now, you know, I'm putting a lot of money into the image program. Sure. And Your own personal money. Yeah. And I'm doing this without asking, without really, you know, going overboard asking people. I mean, I have some sponsors. I have some people that look out for me and I'm very appreciative. I think that I could probably have more if I became a little more vocal about the fact that, you know, we need a bigger budget to be able to do more things. Now, now with that, there's a blessing to that too, because we were just awarded a grant uh, this was through Plymouth Church, and the Image Program was awarded this grant. And this grant is, it's a mid-range grant. So, But the the detailed uh, importance about this is that, you know, it's specific in that we laid out everything that this grant and the money is going to go to. So, you know, dollar for dollar, uh, we are going to spend this on uh, bus passes, for inmates coming out of prison, for people that are going to work every day that don't have transportation. Uh, We're going to do this through the Evelyn K. Davis Center. They've pretty much agreed that they'll be our referral. And so once we uh, get all the knots uh, loosened out with the agreement on that end, uh, we're going to start that. And I'm looking to start it uh, possibly uh, the end of January, hopefully the beginning of February. That's great. Well, January's just around the corner. (laughs) Yeah, and so, you know, what this grant is going to do, it's not only going to provide bus passes, but it's going to provide identification cards. Uh, Inmates that come out of prison, they don't have ID. Or even if you go to jail and you've been in there for a long time and, you know, you've lost everything, you might have lost your billfold, uh, you're not uh, given credit for any kind of an ID. And a lot of people don't have a job, so they don't have the money to even get an ID to get started. Right. So uh, we'll provide that, and then we'll also provide uh, clothing vouchers from Walmart. And this will uh, allow people to get, like, steel-toe boots, maybe a, a white shirt, and some different type of clothing. Sure. So before we go, I wanted to ask you, someone who's listening into this program, they don't really think – Anything in prison, like whatever, these hard, quote-unquote hard guys that think they're too cool for school, how are you going to get through to these guys? I think this is a, a por- an important part of the population you need to be reaching out to. Yes, it is, Sweezy, and uh, that, that is an important question. And one of the ways that the Image Program reaches out, first of all, we have uh, on our team – We've got some very intelligent mentors. Uh, I have some friends who are affiliated with the Image Program that are, are very wise, are very intelligent, and have a lot of integrity. Okay. And uh, so we're pretty much all versatile. So we know how to relate on 
uh, pretty much all levels with a kid. If he's a if he's a gang member, you know, if he's having problems with uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd, uh, if he's uh, basically just a, has an attitude problem, if he likes to fight, you know, if he doesn't like to talk much. I mean, whatever whatever his if he's got a behavior problem, if you know, it might be that he's just hanging out with the uh, with the wrong crowd, uh, whatever it is we can identify it and actually start helping them. So on behalf of the IMAGE program, we want to make sure that everybody is aware that uh, this program is designed to help people who are primarily looking to help themselves. Because, you know, no one can just wave a magical wand and say, hey, you're going to change. Uh, We've got opportunity laid out before you. It's not going to take any effort. You have to be able to put the effort in. You have to uh, be willing to put the work in and uh, be patient. You're going to have to sacrifice to accomplish your goals. We want to just make sure that the opportunity is there. And so uh, moving forward into this new year, uh, we've got a lot of help through the Evelyn K. Davis Center, uh, through the uh, community. We've got more sponsors on board, and uh, we want to reach out to Families that have kids that are looking for, uh, their parents are looking for mentors. You know, we want to make sure that we're doing everything that we can within our budget and within our power to be productive in the Des Moines community. Good. So for the listeners out there, if they want to donate to the IMAGE program or just get involved somehow, how are they going to do that? Well, they can go to the website. Uh, they can go to www.image4lives.com. And it'll have uh, my email address on there, or you can call me, 515-326-5498. I like to set up appointments if there's people that, uh, you know, would like to just kind of get a better understanding of what the image program is about, what they're doing, uh, if they donate money, where their money is actually going to. Uh, You know, I have no problem with, you know, showing them, uh, you know, getting, uh, giving them a little more information and detail. Um, you know, we, we have people on the show, on the image show, to talk about uh, some positive things that's going on in the community, like working with kids. We like hearing about what's going on. And moving into uh, 2019, we want to elevate the image show and we want to uh, get on a higher level. Right now, I see that our podcast is uh, ranks amongst the top uh, here in the uh, studio, correct? Yeah, so that's at 983vibe.com. Just find the image show under On Air. It's really easy to get to. Yeah. It's also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Wherever you get a podcast, you can find the image show. Great. And yeah, so, Sweezy, I appreciate you uh, you know, interviewing me. And for all the listeners out there, uh, who's ever listening to this, uh, if you would like to maybe look up some of these case numbers and uh, you know, kind of just kind of read a little more about my history for yourself, it's... FECR 227225. And that was the state case in Polk County. And that'll pretty much give you the whole rundown of my story, uh, how I was able to turn a negative situation into a positive. And keep in mind that I'm not uh, complaining about the time that I served because it ultimately led to a huge success and a big blessing. However, uh, 
there's a part of me that just kind of wants to get it out sometimes. And so uh, that's why I felt that this was necessary today. For all my Image fans out there, uh, I want you to continue to keep listening, uh, continue to keep making the ratings go up and the rankings go up. And uh, if you want to reach out to me, if you've got a great story, please do not hesitate. 515-326-5498. If you'd like tickets to the Iowa Wolves game, uh, the Image Program uh, keeps plenty of those. So, uh, again, give me a call if you've got a kid that you'd like to take, if you've got a family member. We want to make sure that it's going to the right cause. Please do not abuse the situation. And uh, until next Sunday, uh, I want to wish you guys a happy new year. We're coming into 2019. In Jesus' name. Amen.